It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to the sixth podcast in our 2018 e-commerce growth series. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce master plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce marketing. This 2018 e-commerce growth series is a set of hand-picked interviews to give you ideas and inspiration on how to grow in 2018. We've covered lots of different key topics with a few more to come and got to chat to some really fascinating e-commerce businesses. I'd love to know what you think of it, so please do let me know. If this e-commerce growth series whets your appetite for really going for growth in 2018, then make sure you're also signed up to our e-commerce master plan virtual summit. It's free and packed with videos from experts covering lots of different ways to improve your business. Alison Quill, the founder of Bright Minds and Our Generation World, had this to say about the summit. I've watched dozens of your summit videos. What an enormous joy and so well done. Loved everyone and picked up lots. Thank you. Get immediate access at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. Let me introduce you to today's special guest. Elaine Pofeld is a journalist who's contributed to Forbes.com, CNBC, Inc. and Money Magazine, among several others. She's also the author, which is why she's here today, of the brilliant The Million Dollar One Person Business. Make great money, work the way you like and have the life you want. It's a brand new published at the start of this month book, all about scaling revenue without scaling staff. I was introduced to Elaine last year by past podcast guest, funnel genius and example in the book, Dan Fagella, episode 108, if you want to go back and have a listen to his, um, who described Elaine as one of the coolest small biz people I know. I know a lot of you are looking to grow your business in a very lean way, not least to avoid the headaches and financial commitment of hiring a team. So when I heard about Elaine's upcoming book and saw Dan's glowing recommendation, I just knew I had to get her in to be part of our January growth series. Hello, Elaine. Hello, Chloe. It's great to be here. And thank you for that very kind intro. Well, you know, I I try and get the message across to the listeners out there. Um, how How are you doing today? Are you having a good one? Oh, very well. I'm I'm very excited to be embarking on the new year now that I've finished the writing of my book and I can enjoy getting it out to the world. Because we're recording this in November. So uh, so you're at that awesome point in or awesome or awful point, I suppose, in any author's life where kind of the, the hard work of the writing is done and you're just waiting for it to release because it comes out beginning of January, doesn't it? It does. Yes, yes. It's very exciting. It's it's funny because as an author, you're alone with your manuscript for so long. And then when it goes out into the world, it's a very exciting moment. I echo that. Okay. Um, but before we, we just go off on a kind of an author angle, which I would very much like to do with you, but is not what the listeners have tuned in for. Um, let's, let's get into to what's going on with the book and try and get, get the listeners some great ideas for their, for their plans for 2018. How did you end up interested, so interested in getting so um, focused in on these one employee businesses that have managed to grow so huge? Isn't it, isn't it a really teeny tiny niche? Why, why did you end up getting into it? I find it to be a very exciting niche. I have been a writer about entrepreneurship for many years. And one of the conventional ways of looking at business is that only the businesses that scale to many employees and become job creators count. 
And there's a conventional thinking that if you opt to run a one-person business, somehow you've, you've failed. You haven't thought big enough. You haven't read the e-myth. You haven't done all the right things to delegate. But what I realized was in most countries, the majority of businesses are one-person businesses. And I think it's a choice. I think people actually love running one-person businesses. They love the lifestyle. They don't necessarily want all of the responsibilities of being employers. And they aren't losers who, who fail to scale. They're people who are doing exactly what they want. And I, over time, I just became very interested in the stories of these businesses, but I also became familiar with the challenges that they face. And one of the big ones, which varies depending on what country you live in, is the lack of a social safety net for freelancers. Mm-hmm. People get into one-person businesses to do what they love. But um, one example in the U.S., healthcare is extremely expensive. It, if you buy it yourself, it costs as much as the mortgage on a house, mm. or at least that's that's what I've paid for it. And so that's a big obstacle to succeeding. So you it, people need the skills to build a viable business against pretty steep odds. Now, that's not the situation in every country. Some countries have better healthcare systems than we do, but there still is a lack of a safety net. For instance, if your work dries up, it can, in the U.S., we have unemployment if your job dried up, but in, but in many countries, there is really no safety net if your freelance work dries up. So yeah. people need to build their own safety net. This was in the back of my mind over the years. How do we solve this challenge? And then one day, I, I write a blog for Forbes, and I was kind of running up against a deadline. I had to write my last blog of the month, and I came across some U.S. census statistics that showed that there were sole proprietorships with no employees that were breaking 1 million in revenue. And I was tremendously curious about this. And that would be, I just converted this, that would be about 743,121 pounds based on today's conversion rate. And that's a lot for one-person business. And I, I wondered, what are they doing? So I was able to slice and dice the statistics a little bit using a census tool. And in the U.S., they have, it's called NAICS codes, which are basically industry codes. So it will tell you retail, manufacturing, et cetera. But it, it said very little about what they were actually doing. I used the information that I had and I wrote a post and it, it generated a tremendous response. And people started writing to me and asking me, what are these people doing? I'm really curious. I need an idea. I need a $1 million one-person <laughs> business. So, so I wrote another post and I said, I can't really get that much information about exactly what these people are doing from government statistics. One reason is the government doesn't want to violate people's privacy and say, Mm -hmm. hey, that guy down the street is making a million dollars. So I said, if you're one of them, write to me. And this was about three years ago. And they started writing to me. And they were doing all kinds of really interesting things. And actually, quite a few are in e-commerce, but they're doing everything from selling organic honey online to professional services businesses to coaching and all, all kinds of other businesses. But they were different. And this is kind of why I wrote the book. They had a different way of thinking about the one person business. They scaled their thinking without scaling employees. And that has been my whole journey in writing the book is finding out what exactly they are doing that other one person businesses can learn from so that we can all 
live with a sense of stability and financial security while doing what we love and avoiding all the hassles of a conventional job. So actually, it's it's not a niche at all. Or, you know, it's not a little niche or niche at all. It's it's quite a big sector of the entrepreneurial or business owner community that's just not being recognised. And and due to I do I love the fact you mentioned the e myth because I had Michael Gerber on the show um, last year, twenty seventeen. That is people, um, and he was he was very against the idea of just having yourself in the business. He seemed to think everyone's you know role was to create a huge business of teams and subsidiaries and all the rest of it. So I. I, th- I thought it was quite interesting. You mentioned the e-myth kind of as the as the almost the the other end of the scale. Well, it's funny because that book always gets mentioned to me by people who are often by consultants who are working with clients who don't delegate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they and we all do need to delegate. But what's different about these one person businesses? These are not sort of you know, selfish people living alone, never talking to other people or working with other people. They're very collaborative, but they just work in new ways that are enabled by the digital economy. They're using contractors. They might find someone on Upwork or one of the other platforms who collaborates with them, but also has their own business and is benefiting by growing the business rather than benefiting from the employee relationship. They're, they're, they're contributing to the economy just as much as an employer is, but just in a, in a different way. They're also using automation to extend what one person can do so that they can work much more efficiently in in the time that they have. And and you're correct, Chloe, this is a big niche. I I looked up the statistics for the UK this morning and there were 5.5 million businesses in the UK. 4.1 million have no employees, according to what I saw from the House of Commons in 2016. And in the US, um, they're almost the vast majority of businesses are one person businesses also. And they're really neglected, I think, because the governments like to encourage job creation. And job creation is great because not everybody is suited mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur. It's, everybody's got a different approach to life and what they want out of it. And variety is, is great. So we need jobs for the people that want jobs. But I think the people that are running the one-person businesses and have created their own jobs are, are really neglected in the whole conversation about economic growth. These are people that have created jobs for themselves and millions of jobs across the world. And they're an afterthought right now. So, But not for long. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Um, now, I, I know we've got a lot of listeners who will be thinking, wow, that sounds like such a nice idea. I could have it as, as um, you know, just, just me and lots of outsourcers, freelancers, delegate to technology, all that kind of thing. How would someone get started down this route? You know, do you take your existing business and turn it into a one-person business? Do you come up with another idea? Is it the idea for the business that's the first thing you need to do? Well, if you're looking to get started in business, I, I don't think you should necessarily start out with the goal that I have to be a one-person business or I have to be an employer business. I think the business will will it will take on a life of its own and running a one person business isn't a religion that you have to stick to for your whole life. It, it, but, it, but it's the reality for most people. That is what most people do start and want to start. But for any business, you have to make sure that you're selling something that people want. 
It could be something that you sell for a very high price to a very small audience, Mm -hmm. or it could be something you sell on a massive scale. It it really depends on what it is you're selling. You you do need to find something. This is what I found in speaking with the um, entrepreneurs who were successful in the book was they had to find something they were interested enough in to work on every day and discuss with customers every day. It didn't have to be their life passion, but it did have to be something that generated sustained interest in them or it would be hard to focus on it. So um, for instance, there is one couple in the book that started a very successful business on Amazon selling house um, home decorating items, things like decorative decanters and that sort of thing. And they have a lot of other interests. They started out doing um, a fitness type business their their name are uh, their names are Camille and Ben Arneberg and um, they started a business selling a compression sleeve for runners um, it, it, it's kind of a running a piece of running gear basically and it didn't do well yeah, they love running and they found that that was not the best fit for them but when they got to the housewares business this was another interest that they had mm-hmm. that really took off people like the products that they curated on their site. And they were able to grow that successfully. They were interested in both things, but there was a market for the second thing. Um, now, Camille is interested in in painting as well. She's also a photographer, but she has not turned her painting into a commercial business. And she just wants to keep that for herself as a private interest. So I think you have to experiment a little bit and figure out where is that unique intersection between what you're interested in and what the market once and it doesn't always happen overnight. You have to give yourself a little bit of runway, and often the way to do that is is not to just quit your day job and start the business. You can do it on the side for a while and and test what has traction. And then when you start seeing something picking up, that's when you make the economic decision: can this sustain me? And it might not be the first year. You you anticipated my next question there, which was going to be. If you're testing all these ideas, do you need to jump in with both feet or are the businesses you've talked to, they've all gone and worked at it, worked at this new idea on the side of another business or on the side of a job. So it's not, they're not relying on it for income so they can just reinvest for the, for a period of time. And if so, for how long are they doing that? I think it depends on the stage of life that someone is in. If you're very young, maybe recently graduated from college and you're still living with your folks and maybe you can afford to just jump in with both feet. Mm-hmm. If you have dependents, like one fellow that I interviewed in the book, Laszlo Nadler, he runs a business called Tools for Wisdom, where he he was a um, project manager for a big bank in New York. He had two children and a wife, and he was the main breadwinner. He started this business on the side, and then when it got to six-figure income, then he was able to leave his job behind and do it full-time. He had the confidence he could cover the overhead for the family. So his situation was different. So I think I think you just have to take a realistic look at what the possibilities are income-wise, where you are, is the income sustainable, what effect will there be on other people in your life or some children that need to eat food. <laughs> you, know, you, <laughs> you may have to make some practical decisions like keeping the day job a little longer. I think generally you really need to test it out for six months to a year to know if it's sustainable because there are yearly patterns with businesses. For instance, some of them might get most of their revenue right before the December holidays. Mm-hmm. So you need to go through a full year and see what what are the patterns because if you're not going to have any income 
all summer, that could be a problem. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's the type of thing you need to figure out. I'm not saying you want to hold back too much. I mean, there's mm. an element of risk taking to starting any business. And if you're too cautious, you'll never get anything done. Um, so you could, if you feel like you need to put more time into the business, maybe you could work out an arrangement where you start going part-time in a steady job that you have. So you have a little more time. You have to be creative about it because very few of us have the opportunity to just quit everything and just focus on a startup. So you have to work with reality. Oh, so true. Um, now I know, uh, I could take a, take a bit of a leap here from the starting up position to the you're up and running position, which is I know um, a fair few of our listeners actually have started off, as you've described, they started off on the side of a business and then they they took the leap of faith and completely started working on their business idea and quit their job. And then they've potentially, some of them have gone on to hire people and that was a horrendous thing and it nearly led to them losing the business because it all went wrong and then they gone back to being just themselves again and they're trying to decide whether they should hire again or be themselves again and I know there's others who you know just kind of like oh I know I should hire I feel like I should hire someone but I'm not sure I want to so have you got any any advice on how if they've discovered this one person setup works really well for them and they're really happy with that day-to-day working environment how they can keep themselves there and not give in to the to the to the you know social pressure that they ought to have employees that's a really great question i i found in doing the research for the book that there are a lot of people who find the traditional boss employee relationship very dated and uncomfortable when you think about it how many people do you know who have a boss who who say they love working with their boss people <laughs> always say when people quit a job they quit their boss i think there's just something about that relationship and the whole power balance that rubs a lot of people the wrong way and I, if you really don't like it i don't think there's any reason you have to force yourself into it except for labor laws. <laughs> and I, that's very important. There are some jobs, and I don't know the labor laws of every country, but for instance, in the U.S., if you're hiring people to do hourly work for you, if there are a lot of requirements that you need to be familiar with. You don't, you don't want to break labor laws by hiring someone as a contractor who mm-hmm. should be an employee. They, yeah. You know, there are certain legal rights people have. So you really need to understand what you're hiring people to do and what the laws are pertaining to that. But let's say it's a job that could just as easily be contracted out, or maybe you just need people occasionally, like a web designer. If you run an e-commerce business, you probably don't need a web designer on tap all the time. Maybe you need them here and there as you're upgrading your website certain periods of the year. In in those cases, I think it's a matter of, of really strengthening your network. Because if you're working with contractors, the bonds are a little bit looser. So the real bond is is trust. You have to find somebody that does great work that you trust to deliver it on time to your specifications, somebody that if something goes wrong, they will fix it because they're committed and they care. So sometimes finding those people, especially if you're going into a new field, takes some work. And you might try people that don't work out at first. Um, sometimes people, I think, make the mistake of trying to pay too little because they're on a tight budget and they they find that you kind of get what you pay for. So sometimes investing in somebody who's a little more experienced can help you. You, you really need to make sure that whoever you're working with is, is reliable and, and invested in the growth of your business. 
So that, that's the advice I would give. Otherwise, that's when things fall apart. If you if you really have people that just, you know, a freelancer that just disappears <laughs> on you when you need something done, which happens, yep. then you, your business will fall apart because your customers are counting on you to do what you say. Is there also an angle of deciding not to do things in order to stay one person? So it might be potentially it would be worth exploring opening up a number of physical stores of your of your own you know, if you're e-commerce store, but that is going to require somebody to actually man the store, which is almost certainly going to have to be an employee. And actually that's a potential risk. And maybe, maybe you have to make the decision of actually, I'm not going to do that because that would be, it's a financial risk and it's a lifestyle risk and it's so on and so forth. So is there an element to making decisions to not do things in order to stay one person? That's a, that's a great question, Chloe. I, I think that the not to do list for entrepreneurs is very, very <laughs> important. It's you, 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 one of the problems I think people have when they start businesses is they get so excited about a concept that they don't do the math. And what I would strongly encourage everyone who's thinking about starting a business to do is try to find a really good accountant to sit down with you and work out the numbers because people can be unrealistic, especially if they're entering a business that is new to them. You know, we're all optimists. We all think things are going to go really well 12 months out of the year. But but an accountant that works with small businesses, will say you, you, you do want to start a, um, a retail store they, and they work with other retail stores, they kind of know the numbers for those types of businesses in your geographic area. So they can help you project cash flow and whether you'll be able to keep up with overhead. Because I think we all see this in small communities you'll see a new restaurant or retail store open up. And for whatever reason, whatever store opens up in that spot always goes out of business. There's a restaurant in my town that's like that. My children and I drive past it. And I always say, oh, I feel so sorry for those people because I know that business is going to fail within three months. And it's it's because there's not enough foot traffic there. There's no parking. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't open a restaurant there. But the same holds true with retail. And I think sitting down with an accountant can help you decide whether maybe just doing it online. I know I shouldn't even say just doing it. Mm. Maybe embracing running a business online is better for you in terms of overhead. And you could then branch out if you still really have a passion for a brick and mortar retail store. Once you have built up your online following, you could always build on that, but you won't have the burden of paying for real estate, which is very expensive. And you, and you won't necessarily, you, you may need staff or you may not, but I think you will be able to have less staff in an e-commerce business at first than you would in a physical um, brick and mortar store. Oh, so true. Um, so we're going to be moving into the top tips round fairly soon. So my last question about the book to you, Elaine, is if there's someone out there who's absolutely loving what we've been talking about so far, what would be your first piece of advice to them about embracing the one person business idea? I would say to reach out to other people you know who are running one-person businesses to ask them what advice they would give you. Reach out to people in your own industry because this is very industry-specific. Running a freelance graphic design business is different than running a one-person e-commerce business. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's been doing it for at least a year will have made some mistakes and they'll have had some wins and they can give you some advice that will save you 
a lot of time. I found just and 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 try to reach out to the most successful people you can too. The um, case studies in the book; these are real entrepreneurs, and there are many many examples of people like this, not just in the U.S. but around the world. Try to reach out to them. Some of them are reachable. Um, you may hear them on a podcast, for instance, and 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 ask them for their advice because they they've really fine-tuned and hacked their businesses so that they run very, very efficiently. And efficiently is the key to generating high revenues. If you're meandering along and not using the right apps and not using the technologies available to us, you will never be able to scale the business the way you could if you were making the most of these great and often free tools that are available to us. And they, they can tell you a lot about what to do right. Well, um, Elaine, you've just inspired me to create a page on the website that groups together all the interviews I've done with people running one-person businesses, because I figure that might be a good place to start for the listeners. So, um, so that's- Oh, fantastic. Let me know when that's live, because I know that a lot of the readers of the articles I've written would love to know about that page. So um, feel free to send me that link. I will, I will send you that link, and it will be live by the time this podcast goes out, if not sooner. Um, okay, Elena, I have one last question for you before we go into the top tips round, which is, given this is January, what's on your list for 2018? What are you going to be up to this year? 2018 will be a time of spreading the word about my book. I really, um, one of the things I love about being a writer is actually coming into contact with the readers and, and getting their feedback. So I'm hoping to have many opportunities to meet people at speaking engagements and um, see what's been helpful to them, where I can um, plunge into this topic a little more in the future. And of course, I would like to interview a lot more million dollar one person businesses. So if you're listening and you're running one, I would love to hear from you. Oh, excellent. There you go. This is a great offer, people, if you're in that in that niche. Uh, right. It's now time for the top tips round. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Elaine, first up, the book top tip. If everybody listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Well, <laughs> of course, I would recommend my book. But <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you that, for another one, though. <laughs> I, I do have another one to recommend. I And this one might sound a little counterintuitive. I, I was a collaborator with Vern Harnish on Scaling Up, which is his book about how to scale a fast-growth company. And while his emphasis is on growing a scalable business with employees, there is a lot about the mindset of of the entrepreneur who runs a, a scale up that I think every one person business can benefit from. And there's a lot of good information about putting the systems in place to scale your revenue that I think would be very useful. In fact, Dan Fagella um, is a big fan of scaling up and that was what helped him make his business so successful. Um, so I, I think that book could be very helpful to people. It's called scaling up and it's by Vern Harnish who founded entrepreneurs organization. Excellent recommendation. Uh, the traffic top tip then, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I am a big fan of content marketing. What I have found in, in writing this book and just in general is that the entrepreneurs who take the time to, to build a community around their ideas, regardless of what they're selling, build a business that's very unique and 
has some insulation against the really big players of the world who can commodify everything. Mm-hmm. If you have a unique community, there's no way these giant players can replicate that. They just they don't have the quirky individual personality that that you do. Um, w- one example from the book is Megan Kelpner, who who runs a wellness website. She's a nutritionist and she blogs four times a week, I believe, for years and wow. built up a fantastic website. She's a, um, a, an entrepreneur based in Toronto and it's a great website. She has a lot of design talent. So she brings that to the site as well, but you, there's so much personality to it. And she sells, um, she has a, a school she runs now called the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. And she does um, webcasts like um, smoothie fasts and things like that. She's built a very successful business and I really do think it emerges from from her blogging because you really feel you know her. And I think when you know somebody who runs a business, it's the same with brick and mortar businesses, your favorite cafe mm-hmm. where you, the people know you. There's just something and you know them. There's something just really nice about that. And that's it's something that anybody can do or can hire somebody to do if you're not a writer or you can do other types of blogging like Instagram um, photos or, you know, whatever your ideal medium is, I think that type of marketing is a great traffic builder. Okay, then the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you more efficient from day to day? The one I love is Schedule Once. It's an oh, I app lo- I that love it allows you Oh, love you love it, it too. Don't yeah. you love it? I, 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 I am so zealous about this app. I, I, I love it because it saves me hours every week. If you set up a lot of phone calls, it allows you to avoid the email back and forth. And you just send a link to the person on the other end of the message saying, here's a link to my schedule. Please pick a time that works for you. And you can block out times on your calendar that you're not available. So if, for instance, from three to four, your children are just getting home from school and you don't <laughs> want to take calls, no one knows why you've blocked that out, but you're never available then. So people can book the times that are most convenient for you, or you know, you go mountain biking at a certain time of day. It, do, it doesn't matter. It, ju- it just allows you to control your schedule. And that that's so important because I think especially in a one person business, it's important to block out time to think and regenerate yourself. And when you're, you're subject to other people setting your schedule for you, I think you can lose that. So that that, that, there's sort of a bigger picture to things like schedule once in terms of just taking control of your time. So I love that one. And I'm going to throw in another one if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, please do. um, There's another one called Globify that I found out about um, through a startup in the UK. It's, it's a conference bridge, but it's global. And if someone say I'm calling in from the U S and someone is in the UK, I dial in from a landline in the U S and they dial in from a phone number in the UK and you meet on this bridge and the quality is excellent. It's free. There's a few countries where it's a premium price, um, but it's free in a lot of countries. And I find sometimes Things like Skype are great, and sometimes they're unreliable. So if you're finding that you're calling a place where the Skype isn't so good, then you may find that Globify is a good option. Oh, brilliant recommendation. Uh, okay, then the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's starting, thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? I would really think about areas that you excel 
and and how you can leverage what you know and what you're good at to start an e-commerce business. It's um, it takes a lot of soul searching to do that. Um, so, for instance, I had mentioned Laszlo Nadler, mm-hmm. who is um, the e-commerce entrepreneur who runs planners. Now, he was he was a project manager, so he loves time management. So, designing planners is a natural for him. It would not be a natural for a lot of the other people in the book who have very different interests. So you, I think you have to find something that really fits your personality. And it, and it, it may be something that you don't expect. I'll give you an example. Kelly Lester is a mother of three who's in her fifties and she's an actress on the stage and screen. She was in an Eddie Murphy film and runs a you know great career as an actress, she, but she sells lunch boxes on Amazon. Her business is easy lunch boxes and this is a one woman business and she's got so much personality. She's such a fun person and she's got a great design sensibility. So she sort of created a personality around the lunch boxes that goes way beyond lunch boxes. And so that it doesn't tap into her acting passion exactly, but it's sort of it kind of bounces off of it a little bit. And so, so it might be something like that where you you just have a natural talent or a strength that you can, leverage in the business. It, it also might come out of your previous experience too. Um, so for instance, Alan Walton, who runs a spy camera shop called Spy Guy, he worked in a spy camera shop as an employee and he got to know which cameras were better and which ones needed a lot of repair. So when he started his own, he almost had the equivalent of a graduate degree in spy cameras. And so he didn't stock up on any that he knew were going to be a hassle for the customers or for him in terms of customer service. So it could be something like that. So I would say it's really like a soul searching process to think about where do I have something to contribute? And it might be an esoteric knowledge, like a knowledge of spy cameras or something that not a lot of people have. Um, but you do have to think about it a lot and then think about, can I really work in this every day? Cause if you will get tired of it, then no, it's not good for an e-commerce business. Brilliant. Well, it must plan well. You can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you will see a link to this show. Elaine, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your book on the web and social media? Sure. You can find the book at themilliondollaronepersonbusiness.com. That's a website with the word one spelled out. Um, I'm on social media at at Elaine Pofeld. I know my name is hard to spell, but you'll see it on the listing for this podcast. (laughs) And Elaine Pofeld on Instagram or, or LinkedIn. The book is available on Amazon. And um, you can get it in a Kindle version, an audiobook version, and the traditional um, paper version. So I hope you'll read it and look forward to hearing from you. Marvellous. Well, I have to say, I do hope people read it because I've read it and it's very, very good. Um, well, oh, thank add, you. I will add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Masterplan World, again, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Elaine, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, for being so generous talking to us about your book. And I wish you all the luck in the world for 2018 and a fantastic book launch too. Thank you so much, Chloe. It was a pleasure and I look forward to hearing from your listeners. 
Wow, guys. Um, so many interesting bits and pieces from Elaine there. And I we failed in our chat to talk about two of the other big bits within the book. So you're going to have to get the book if you want to find out about these. Um, one is, there's a quite a large portion in there about the importance of working out what you want before you start doing anything else at all. You know, so what what does your lifestyle need to look like? What does your end goal need to be? And therefore, how are you going to get there? So that's a really good bit if any of you are thinking about that. And um, obviously, the, the different category types, so the different types of business which can, um, which, which Elaine's found most one-person million-dollar businesses tend to fall into, those categories, actually, let me let me grab the book and read them out to you quickly, just so you know what they are, because e-commerce is clearly a huge one of them. So they are e-commerce, manufacturing, informational content creation, it's kind of what I do, um, professional services and creative businesses, personal services films, firms even, like fitness and coaching, etc., and real estate, all of which have slightly different angles to them. So if you want to find out more about that, loads of great examples in her book too. Then go and grab it. It's called The Million Dollar One Person Business. Make great money, work the way you like, have the life you want. And it is available as ebook, audiobook and hardback. So you can go and grab a copy right now. I highly recommend it. Um, I read it in a morning um, and it was uh, very much something I couldn't put down. So I know you'll enjoy it. The next episode in the 2018 growth series will be out on Monday. We're going to get into the world of Amazon with top 50 global seller. Yes, really, top 50. Uh, Jamie Davison of AMZ Insiders discussing if you should use Amazon in 2018 and how to make the most of the marketplace. Whilst you're waiting for the next podcast, why not watch some of the great videos in the e-commerce master plan virtual summit, including one on Amazon Japan and quite a bit on marketplaces. It's completely free and you can get it at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. Have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.